0: Welcome to Mind, Muscle, and Metabolism, the Jade Tita Podcast. Here you get the in-depth science and practical tools needed to change your body, optimize your health, and elevate your mindset. I'm Dr. Jade Tita, and here is what I want you to know. You are different. You are as unique on the inside chemically as you are on the outside physically. And those differences matter. They matter because there is only one rule to achieving optimal health fitness, and body change. That rule, do what works for you. My goal is to help you understand exactly how. I'm so excited you're here. Your transformation starts right now. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Today, I have one of my dearest friends and my ex-wife, Jill Coleman, with me. And um We are going to be talking about critics and creators and haters and trolls and all of these things that is probably going to be really, really interesting to those who are in the creative space and in the social media space, but is also going to be applicable to anybody who, uh, you know, just has a hard time dealing with criticisms and people not liking them or. Uh, any difficulties around social interactions where we as humans can't always be liked. And certainly we're going to run into situations where people have negative things to say about us. And so how do we handle that? And so I'm just going to jump right into it. And the first question I'm going to ask Jill is, uh, let me ask you, Jill, what is um, sort of your most memorable or one of your most memorable times where you uh, had criticism and, and this could be in the social media space or this could be uh, just in your, your sort of daily life that just made an impact on you or where you were just like, ooh, that stung a little bit?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for asking that. And you know, it's been a long time. So as you know, I started jillfit.com as a blog in 2010. And in order to get my brand going, I actually blogged every single day for two years. But it wasn't until, and I think because I was so scared of judgment and criticism, and I was really kind of scared to be my authentic self, uh, for the first three to four months, I actually like basically sat behind my expertise. I was just like, let me let me put my teacher hat on, let me put my trainer hat on and let me just try and have great information. And what I noticed was it was taking me like like hours and days and weeks even to write a post because I was checking the science and, you know, a lot of times I was running it by you, does this make sense biochemically and all those kind of things. It was just taking too long. And for me, it was really arduous. And so after about 3 to 4 months, I had this one day where I was just like, "You know what? I'm just going to write stream of consciousness." And that was the very first day. It took me like 20 minutes, put up a post, and up until that point, I got the best response yet. And so for me, it was like, okay, this is good. This is affirmation that people want something a little bit more real. They want like a little bit more behind the scenes. They want a little bit more stream of consciousness and a little bit more personality. And that was my first foray into like becoming what we call now like a blogger or a vlogger, which is kind of like what I call the social, uh, you know, the reality show culture where we want to see what's going on behind closed doors. However, when you start to pull back the curtain on your life and you share things that are personal, it can come off in my experience, and this is a sensitivity of mine, preachy, come off like I think I'm bragging. It can come off like I think I'm better than because I'm in a position where I'm teaching from lessons or I'm, I'm talking about an experience that I had and how I came overcame that. I think it's really easy for, us to maybe uh, fall into the category of trying to be seen as some sort of guru or expert or think like we know everything. And so my very first, long story short, my very first most memorable uh, critic was, I think it was on social media at the time. It was still Facebook it was really big, and the person was just like, you know, you think you know everything, and it was very like you're, you know, you you're so um, you think you're better than, and it was very much like you're judging, you know, your ju- your judgment, or you think you're a guru, and that was that stung, I think, because that was not my intention right i think that's the hardest part is a lot of times we get sensitive because we the intention is of course not to think that we're better than however we are in a position of where we do have a platform whether it's a blog or a social media platform or a, you know a youtube channel we're in a position to have a platform to be speaking to be a broadcaster um, i kind of hate the word influencer because to me that means that kind of assumes a role of even though you are influencing in some capacity that again, you're better than I've always been sensitive to that. So I think when this woman said that to me in a very kind of uh, public forum, I it hit the sensitivity I already felt about being a blogger. I was already sensitive that people looked down upon my or didn't appreciate or thought it was over the top. I was already sensitive about that. I always already felt self indulgent. I already felt self absorbed. I already felt almost selfish by doing that by sharing my story. And it was hard because so many people were giving me affirmation that they did love hearing it. They did love the insight. They did love the experiences. They did love the stories. And we know as humans, that's how we learn. We learn through stories. And so it was luckily enough, but I remember coming to you and, and talking it out with you. Um, you know, and it took me a couple of days to really get through that and not take it on. And I actually wrote about it. There's actually a blog. If you go to jillfit.com and search, you know, haters or trolls or judgment or something like that, it's in there. I actually wrote the whole experience out because I was processing it myself. And I think um, that's a common thing that I hear with women that I work with is they're scared that people think they're better than, that they're bragging. That they're selfish, that they're all about themselves, especially women who are moms. That's you know they're so used to being caregivers that it's sometimes hard to focus on themselves.
0: Yeah, you know it's interesting. I almost feel like um, because I know people who aren't in the internet space, they, for some reason once you get on the internet space, so all social etiquette goes out the window. But the, <laughs> the way the way I like to describe it is imagine imagine I'm sitting there at a table with uh, Jill. Let's say we're in I don't know we're in a A lunchroom in a corporate building somewhere. And uh, there's me and maybe two other of my guy friends sitting there. And Jill is trying to teach us about, you know, something that she knows that and we've asked her the advice. So we've said, Jill, you know, as guys, you know, uh, what do you think about X, Y, Z? You know, maybe we're asking her dating advice or something about women that we don't know. And she's telling us her expertise. Then imagine someone peeks over her shoulder and like, you know, looks at her and she says, who do you think you are? You know, who, who do you, who is it that you think you are, that you think you can sit here and tell these people what, you know, you know, um, you're, you, you, you're selfish, you're, you know, whatever. And I oftentimes think about it like that because it might be social media, but that's exactly what it's like. People come to your blog, my blog, your podcast, my podcast, they go to books, on Amazon, looking for solutions to things, they go to our social media pages looking for solutions to things, they show up there, essentially it's like asking for advice, and then someone pokes their head in and says, who are you to, you know, give this advice, you pompous, arrogant person, and the interesting thing is, it's at this point in time, I look at that stuff, and I say, <laughs> it's, it's funny, because I go, well, they're, doing it because people are asking. And a lot of what they're doing is not comfortable to talk about. It's very uncomfortable. Uh, Jill and I had a situation recently where we both were called self-indulgent by different people in different ways. But it was funny because what I said is I was like, isn't that so funny that self-indulgent, and I should look this up, you know, dictionary definition, but self-indulgent means focusing on self so you can have your own enjoyment, usually at the um, detriment to someone else. And to me, there is nothing enjoyable about actually bearing your soul to people. It is sometimes very embarrassing. It is, uh, you know, we are status-seeking creatures as humans, and so it's lowering your status. It's putting yourself in a position to be attacked for the betterment of other people. Why else would we we be doing? I mean, if, if we really wanted attention, then, I mean, and, you know. We, we certainly would be-
1: wouldn't be talking about our struggles and our – missteps. I mean, in a way, I mean, I'd be putting my best foot. I would be putting my perfect. Yeah. I think a lot of people do still, mm-hmm. but I love that there's a movement towards more authentic way of sharing, more transparent sharing. Cause it does make people feel more connected because if I'm just talking about how I do everything perfect all the time, you and I have the perfect marriage, nothing ever went wrong. You know, uh, I eat perfect all the time. You know, if I, if no one would really relate to that, they would feel like that's great. Maybe there's an aspirational kind of component to that, but it wouldn't last long. There's not that connection piece.
0: Well, That's interesting. I wasn't even thinking about our whole marriage situation, but we should come back to that because that's really interesting that that people get triggered off of that. I I wasn't necessarily thinking about that, but I certainly certainly think that we have to understand. That's the first thing that we have to understand if you're in the Internet space is that these people who are doing that, we should look at them in the same way. Well, I don't know that we should look at them. I look at them very much in the same way as someone who is socially inept. Or socially um, unskilled, or someone who is, has social issues to begin with, and because my whole thing is this is the way we communicate now, and mm-hmm. it, it certainly, yes, people can you know sort of eavesdrop in on your conversations with people, which is really interesting. But this is how we communicate, and so for someone to like pop in and give an unsolicited sort of negative commentary, I just think. Is interesting. Um, so,
1: have you ever done that? So, like a couple questions for you. The first is, um, have you, like, what's an alternative then? So, for example, I don't know, let's just picture someone is scrolling on Instagram or scrolling on Facebook and they see something, and we'll talk about this in a minute. I want to get your take that feels so triggering to them and feels so uh, maybe even unjust to them mm-hmm. that they can't help themselves but tell you know give their opinion and tell what they think should be the case if it's the opposite of this thing right so you're scrolling you see this and you get that impulse why does why do some people feel the need to comment a big long thing and give their advice on someone else's page versus people like maybe you or me who are like you know what I can see something I don't agree with and I either I literally just keep scrolling or I'm just like you know what I've seen like too many things from this person I'm just like not on board with just I'm going to unfollow What's what's the difference there?
0: Oh, I think, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think 99%, probably 90% of the people out there do just that. Right. You know, they just, because they're socially, they, they get it socially, you know, so they just go, yeah, I'm not, I don't need to even get into this. I'll hide this person or whatever, or I just, I don't need to. Uh, comment on it. Or they're self-aware enough to know that them being triggered by something that's being said is really about them. I mean, the idea that, you know, uh, you or me or anyone on social media is purposely posting things to piss people off or to upset their apple cart, so to speak, is it's funny. They always say selfish, right? To me, it's the height of selfishness to think that someone's post is about you. Uh, it, it's, it really is odd, but that, but that being said, here's what I'd say on this, because I don't want, you know, we humans, I, I say we humans, cause I do believe this. It's not, it's, we are all the same. So to me, I come from a place of like, I am just like them. I get triggered by things. I am judgmental about things. I have my own biases and my own, own dogma. But being self-aware, I know that it is about me. I think that's the skill, in other words. I think
1: that's a pretty evolved. I think knowing it's about you. I think that's – we're talking about two different things. You can let me know what you think. But the idea that someone is, like, purposely putting something out to trigger you, I don't think many people believe that. I think people do – They might not believe it, but they act as if that's the (laughs) Right, 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 right. And I guess that's the second piece, which is, you know, they have awareness to know, like – you know, I'm just going to unfollow this. I'm going to unfriend this. It's not like they know that giving into that urge to police, I see a lot of policing, giving into that urge of policing. You know, we know this from like the, the uh, David Rock's five key needs of the human brain. One is justice, right? One is fairness. So a lot of times we see something that we feel we can't help but give our two cents. So what are the most triggering things that you think that get a lot of, we can talk about the importance of polarization, which I think is extremely important if you're wondering about how to be, how to get traction as a personal brand you actually do have to be polarizing. You actually have to say something that some people are not going to agree with. And it's not just your personality. It's not just like, you know, the way you wear your hair. It's literally like drawing a line in the sand with your content in a very clear way. And I think that that's a, you know, you're going to get people who are going to unfollow, who are going to unsubscribe, who are not going to appreciate that, maybe even some haters and trolls. But for the people it does resonate with, they become that much stronger and that much more attached to you and your message. Mm -hmm. But, like, what is that person who feels like they have to police the Internet? Maybe it's about marketing. Maybe it's about sales. People don't like being taken advantage of monetarily or what they consider to be taking advantage of. Yeah. What's your thought on that?
0: You know, I don't know, but I certainly don't. Here's my thing with that, and I think this is what is helpful, and I think you're similar. I don't actually judge them in the sense of, like, I don't go, you know, I don't judge them in the sense that, that I'm better than them or I'm more self I wouldn't you know I'm more self aware or whatever. I just go to a place where I'm like I have and I have a I have a model that I use. There's base level human behavior which I have and you have and everyone has. And this is where it's coming from fear and insecurity, and, and our reactions are coming from that place. It's very much our-
1: Like reactive, deflecting, defending.
0: Defending, avoiding. It's, it's the fight, flight, freeze response. So anytime you see someone come out in anger, or hide, or avoid, or block, or, you know, it's, th- it's this behavior, and it's normal. We all have it. I have things that trigger me. And then there's sort of the cultural level thing, where it's like, well, um, it's based on status and team tribal behavior it's like okay well you know you're a libertarian and i am a conservative you know christian conservative and they're a neo-liberal or whatever and so that triggers me simply because my team is at stake
1: and so those people maybe i'm not saying those people i'm like again we all have this but they're coming from a place of there's a right and a wrong way
0: yes and they're yes and and we do it too right so we and, and then there's the yes and yes they're coming from there's a right and a wrong way um, and then there's the next level human, which we all have as well, that goes oh that's this is really about growth and learning, and i if I come at it from a right and wrong point of view or a status better than less than point of view or a um, you know uh, anger sort of happiness point of view, you know um, I am going to not be able to grow or learn anything from this. And so this is the first thing that I would say from, I know you're coming at it more from a business oriented perspective, but I'm coming at it from more of a personal development perspective. Mm -hmm. First thing for me is understand we each have these behaviors. And if you see yourself as a pattern showing up in anger and defensiveness and blocking, you have to understand that you have next level behaviors. You also have base level behaviors and you're giving into those for whatever reason because you feel unsafe to your point. You feel unfair. You feel like this person and then you, you feel have to triggered.
1: What would be so when like I know if I'm if it's a sensitivity of mine and I'm triggered by something. Do you think it for me? I feel like it comes down to an insecurity that I have of myself. Is that how you see it? I do see when you it get like triggered. That. Go through like when you get triggered. What's that about for you?
0: Sometimes it's about insecurity. For example, let's say that someone, I have a story that I told when I was young about being the dumb jock. So when someone mentions something about my accent or my, um, my uh, uh, grammar or something like that, I may react to that or I used to react to that in an in a insecure way. You know, so I may get angry and defensive about it. So I was coming at it from a base level standpoint. But sometimes I go, well, I think that's just wrong from a human perspective and I'm on a particular cultural side. So I just go, well, they're just wrong because I don't see it that way. In nutrition can be polarizing, in politics it can be polarizing, in religious religion it can be polarizing. For instance, you know, one place I get triggered, as you know, Jill, is that for me, I, I am agnostic, so I don't believe in a God in the sense that and i don't I think you're taking some power away whenever you give your power away to some imaginary force now just me saying that some imaginary force is going to be very triggering to certain people. well I get triggered whenever someone says you know invokes the imaginary force, and so that's a team based approach but then when I come from a next cussing
1: level, is a big one I say on that
0: cussing's a huge, huge one, one because it's they because you know, they go what, it's like, a moral issue right exactly as if, if you say you know, fuck, then that means you're not a good person or you're saying it to get a reaction or you're saying it because to be
1: disrespectful to them personally,
0: it's disrespectful. It's morally offensive. It's, and this is all their filters. I mean, think about it like you and I have diverse backgrounds you know we we you know you were raised in a particular family particular type of way I was raised a different way they were all raised different ways I've run into this in the south a lot coming from a northern Italian family it's very different growing up in the south which is a very southern sort of uh, you know uh, religious sort of bible belt type of thing and you'll have people triggering you all of the time. And so from my perspective, I guess I just go from the from the point of view is understand why you are doing what you're doing, but also you can understand with this model why, why people are doing what they are doing. And I think from your point of view, like when it comes from a a, a business point of view, you can say, you know, polarization is potentially good because it does get people to pay attention, but I would say more like the easiest way to be polarizing without doing it on purpose is to just be authentic in what you know. And if you're being authentic, then you're going to always have people who are going to hate on you. And by the way, what's the alternative? The alternative is you're not authentic. You're a people pleaser. You're constantly uh, biting your tongue and walking on eggshells and making sure everything's fine and you're not upsetting anyone. And in business, that will not be a very effective modality. And I would even say in personal relationships, That's not going to be an effective strategy either.
1: I know, you know, I love that because I do think there's a lot of crossover between relationships and business because I know, you know, people who do kind of identify with, and I did too for a long time, that perfectionist mentality, that people-pleasing mentality, that just avoiding confrontation um, mentality, you get to the point where you don't really even know how, you don't know who you are. You don't know who you are. You don't know what you want to do. So when you say be your authentic self, a lot of people don't know their authentic self outside the context of what their people think of them. So close family, friends, even people on the internet, right? So they're using the feedback that they're getting. I've talked to a couple of people, you know, and close friends of mine, and they can't even say what their opinion is without taking into account the opinion of the people that they really care about. And that makes sense, right It definitely makes sense that we want the people around us to support us to uh, like what we're doing, especially if you're starting a business and maybe people around you don't quite get that you're trying to do build an online platform you're trying to do something bigger. Of course, we want the support of our family and friends, but there's always going to be judgment and I want to talk about this with you because I think you know you and I talk a lot about how you know at times it's, well, most of the time, 95% of the time being a creator is like lifeblood to me. It's like the the puzzle of creating, writing, uh, coming up with systems, helping people, coming up with solutions. To me, like if I can't have that, I will literally kill myself. If I can't like, get up and create something that I want off the top of my head, whether that looks like it could be a post on social media, new product, new service, new freebie, just even writing on something like medium.com, which I do a lot just because I have an idea and I'll just turn it out really quick. Podcast is another example. And so being creator, you do put yourself out there, right? You're, it's like an artist in a sense, like obviously it's a different way of being an artist, but you're putting it out there for criticism. And I would argue that we can write in our journals all day long, but if we don't press publish on that blog, it's not the same level of putting yourself on the hook and making an impact. But people who tend to criticize are not really creators a lot of times because I don't know about you, but like when I'm creating and I'm in flow and I'm a place of passion and excitement and I'm just like loving what I'm doing, I'm not looking around. I'm not stressed about who's doing what I'm not comparing myself to other people. I'm not thinking that, you know, uh, I'm not worried about how it's being perceived because I love it. And so talk about being a creator versus a critic a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, let me just, let me see if I can paraphrase what you said there. Cause I thought it was important. I just want to make sure I understand it correctly. So, uh,
1: there's a level of vulnerability that comes from publishing versus just writing in your journal and being creative there. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I guess I'm just trying to follow two two lines of thought. One was the idea that, you know, being authentic Right. You know, can people be, don't
1: really know who they they don't really know.
0: Right. So on the one hand, we can be in, in it sounds like you were saying on the one hand, we can be in confusion about who we are because we're so. So we um, don't even have
1: the opportunity polarizing because we're just trying to be placating. Mm-hmm. They can't happen at the same time.
0: Right. And and on the other sense. So then you led into the idea that creator versus um, critic. critic, Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the, the thing I would say on the first part would be that, um, to me, like you talk about it in, in business, like drawing a line in, in the sand, being authentic. Having an opinion. And having an opinion. And, and the thing is, I think people get confused because they just go, I think everyone is, has an authentic opinion in the moment. And that's the point. It's like, so draw your line in the sand, state your opinion, understand that your authentic self is an emerging self. So it's not that you have to stay there. And this is one of the things that I love about, about this, because what happens is I speak to you. I speak to people online and you speak to people online and I speak to people on the street and I essentially give them my reality. That, that's, I'm essentially serving up my reality on a platter saying, Hey, here, look, what do you think of my reality? Here's the chicken. Here's the, you know, the French fries. Here's the Coca-Cola whatever. Here's my reality. And then they serve up their reality. And then we get to reality check our realities based on that and hopefully come to a better understanding and our realities hopefully are adjusted in a more positive, enlightened direction for us by that that sharing. And so to me, I would say if you're not being your authentic self, then what happens is you're never getting that ability to actually adjust and walk into a more uh, beneficial, enlightened individual. That's, that's the first thing I will say about authenticity. So,
1: so it, how do you pull the trigger on that? So you're like, okay, uh, building a business or even like, even you want to show maybe your partner who you really are, or you want to show a friend who you really are and you haven't really done that, but you go, you know what? I need to, I want to start speaking my truth and be a little bit more myself. What's the step? What's the first step there? How do you rip off the bandaid? I think it's just to to
0: speak exactly the truth. Just be like, you know, I I have this opinion, let's say about religion or nutrition or politics or whatever, but also realize that, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? And, and that's that that's a whole thing that's, you know, um is a really important concept. You know there there's what you know, you know, and there's what you you know you don't know. But most of the information out there is what you don't know you don't know. And so if you come from that place, you just state your opinion. And instead of trying to be right about, I'm going to now defend this till my death, you just go, here's my authentic opinion right now. Let me see with curiosity how this person presents their knowledge. And, and maybe I learned something. I don't know any other way to do it other than to state it. If you don't just state who you are and what your opinion is in the moment you're essentially hiding from the world and they're not even knowing you. It's almost like they're introduced to your plagiarized self. Hi, I'm the plagiarized Jade. And Where's the real Jade? Well, I mean, he doesn't exist until I let him come out. And so from that perspective, you just do pull the trigger. And then the other thing that I think you said was the idea of being a creator, which I do think comes into this because I think when you are being in your authentic self, you're, this place of sort of allowing yourself to emerge and grow, eventually you, do mer- you, you, you go from, te- uh, from learner, from student.
1: Consumer to, to creator. that's normally what you, I call you it. You go from
0: student to, uh, to teacher. And at that point, you know, and not that all of a sudden you're like, I know better than everyone else. It's just that you go, oh, now I actually have something to say. Like here would be an example. Tell me what you think about that. Let's say that we are all of us are talking to a group of 11-year-olds. Right. And we all sit down and start talking to them. They start telling us about life. They're showing they're presenting their realities and there'll be some interesting stories in there. And we'll find some amazing people in there and we'll learn something from them from their perspective. But in general, we know that their reality as adults, their reality has not been reality checked enough time with other people. They're going to grow immensely uh, off of that. Right. And then imagine that they never get that. That they just go forward believing those same beliefs again and again, and no one ever reality checks them. They don't get any more education, and they stay stuck in that realm. What's going to happen? They're either going to defend to their dying breath what they already know they know, or they're just going to stay in student mode constantly. And what's going to happen is most likely they're going to turn to critics in my mind, in that sense. That's what happens when we get stuck in that. What happens with creators is they begin to say, wait, my reality actually has some validity. It actually has some utility. It actually has um, built within it uh, the ability to um, add to the pool of meaning in the world. And at that point, you know, um, certain people take that job on more than others because they get reinforcement that maybe... Uh, you know, their, their sense is uh, of things is um, very enlightening to a lot of people. And so a lot of people start paying attention and they sort of emerge from the bucket one, because they were putting it out there. And two, because they built up sort of this uh, confidence to be authentic and trust their, um, you know, that they now have enough uh, to offer. And I think that's how it begins to start. I think the people who get stuck and don't, who want to stay in fear mode, base level human, and who want to stay in team mode, culture level human, and don't want to, are coming at it from, let me defend what I already know, will always turn critic more likely. Once, once you move into the teaching and creator mode, which by the way, to be a teacher, you have to be a student first. Once you get to that place, then it turns into, it's a whole other uh, arena and it's amazingly awesome, but, the, you do, but that's what happens. You end up getting hated on, a lot. So I guess that's what I say. You can't be a creator and a critic at the same time. It's it's just like you can't be a pre-adolescent and an adult at the same time. You, it, it Going from critic to creator is a maturity jump, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. And I just, you know, I, and we were talking about this a little bit last night and I wanted to touch upon this. You know, I think that for you and I, as maybe people who have emerged and here's the thing it's not that we I don't get triggered it's not that at times I want to judge or I do want to criticize but I know now I notice that when that's happening, it's because I'm feeling out of my creative power, right? It's like, I'm not pumped about what I'm creating. I'm not in flow with my passion. I'm not following my purpose. I'm not creating meaning for myself. So I'm more likely to look out there and judge someone else as like, what are they trying to do? Or like this, you know, this person is 24 years old. What does she know about life? Or whatever it is like that, that my sensitivity is because I'm not feeling in my power. But I will still always, even if I don't agree with someone if they're a creator, it's kind of like, you know, if you're driving down the street, like, I don't know, people would still do this. You have a Volkswagen and you pass another Volkswagen and it's like, hey, and like you just give them the wave, like you just know, like we, we, we're you know we're the same car, we're the same kind of people. It's like same thing with a creator, you know, it's kind of like a team, but I will always respect the courage that it takes to put your life out on the internet, to put your ideas out on the internet. Maybe not even your life, just your ideas, your teaching, uh, your opinions, on the internet in a place where it can be consumed. And it's basically like you call it served up for judgment. And I think a lot of people don't take that step because of that. That's why even if I don't agree with someone, even if their opinions and what they're sharing is 180 degree different than what I believe, I still have a huge amount of respect for them because I think it's so hard to do that or it's, it's hard to get to that place.
0: Yeah, I I actually agree 100% with that's funny. I mean, I I certainly can hold both things. I I I'll, I'll I'll be honest and I know you're the same. I have some I get triggered very heavily by certain things online, but I always go look back within myself. I'm just like, "Okay, Jay, that's your base level self coming out. That's your 11-year-old self, fear-based self coming out, or that's your culture level self coming out." And I do have to remind myself a lot. I'm just like, "You know, like You know, what are you here for? Well, you're here to, you know, um, learn what you can and you can't teach and share, which I also believe is another imperative of life unless you can learn from other people. And I've and I've struggled with that. But I will say this, the more I can get out of my base level behavior, um, the the, the better off I am, uh, that's for sure. But I mean, I guess what I would say then, because you're coming at it from like a, a business point of view, which I love because you get both things. But I would also say for the individual who's just in, you know, in, in you know, raising their kids, going to work every day, it's kind of the same thing, right? Because I don't know, your sister... Judges you for the way you're raising your kids or your brother judges you for your choice of a wife or, you know, whatever. And then we feel this sort of a sting and then we begin to question our choices and our behavior. And see, to me, I would say that a next level human would go, yes, it's good that I'm questioning my choices and behavior. They're serving up their reality and it is it's interacting with my reality and it's an opportunity to grow. And I, I think once you go to that place, it's an opportunity to grow. And I'm not saying like be a saint. I'm saying if, if you have clear boundaries, someone, if someone oversteps your boundaries, let them have it. I mean, defend yourself, but also look at it like your, our job is not to defend what we, what we don't know. We don't know. Our job is to seek out what we don't know. We don't know. Right. So to me, I think you should look at all those things in your family as opportunities. To grow. I'll tell you this, and then I'll, I'll, I want to ask you a question. But interestingly enough, because you and I both do, I do a lot of personal one-on-one um, life coaching now. And one of the things I see that's interesting, and I would ask all the listeners just to filter this through because you, you might be like, Jay, that's ridiculous, or you, you all may have experienced this as well. What I seem to experience when I'm taking, you know, as a coach, you get to take this bird's eye view. Like, you know, you're looking down, and you can see a landscape that other people can't see. And what I've always noticed is that the things that people are trying to accomplish, they seem to have the perfect people, the perfect situations around them that allow them to get there. But they can't actually see it because they're too stuck in their old sort of base level or cultural level defending and fear based and team instead of being like, oh, how can I use this um, to grow. And I think that's the first shift to just put it back on you and be like, why is this actually triggering me? Sometimes people are just assholes. You know, I know sometimes I am, you know, I know sometimes I can be all the things that I've been called, which is why it triggers me when Mm -hmm. I'm called that. I can be egotistical. I can be insecure. I can be self-indulgent. I can be whatever it is. All of us humans can.
1: You know, it's interesting about that and sorry to cut you off, but you know, just saying that I do think that there's some, it is interesting. I'll tell a quick, really quick story. So um, I got a new puppy like two years ago. And f- for me, like intellectually, I'd never had a dog growing up. I never like trained a dog. I never had a puppy, never had a dog in my house. And so getting one, I knew intellectually that it was going to be a lot of work, right? People were like, oh, puppy training, a puppy so hard, this and that. I read all the books. And then when she showed up, I, it was a whole nother level of hard. I just was like out of my league crying. She's crying. I'm crying, you know, and I feel like I have no like anchor. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel all over the place. I'm ready to drive her right back to where I got her. Right. And it was the first week I got her and I'm going, okay, well, at least if I can get out and we can walk, then I can tire her out enough that I can get some stuff done. So my whole strategy was based on just walking her like constantly. Right. And I didn't, I don't know why, it just didn't dawn on me that like, she's a puppy, she's not going to know how to walk on a leash. So the first week I'm out there, I'm literally dragging her. I'm dragging her. I'm like, she doesn't know what to do on the leash. She doesn't want to go anywhere. She wants to lay down. She wants to resist. I'm pulling her, pulling pulling her. And then of course you hear with people who are really good at dog training, it's supposed to walk right next to you. So then I have her choked up on the leash, trying to walk right next to me. She, it's just like all over the place. So finally, I'm just at my wits end. It's like a weekend. It's like our second or third walk of the day and she's jumping all over the place and she's running up ahead and i i'm walking and I, there's this guy walking towards me and he's like kind of jacked he's like really muscular so i'm like oh like we're kind of you know i'm thinking we're going to have like a nice little like head nod cuz we're both kind of like into fitness he doesn't look at me he walks right by me and yells dog walking in front of owner means the owner's clueless, literally shouts it. Shouts means the owner's clueless. And I'm like, I'm so triggered by that because that's already my sensitivity. Meanwhile, it's never happened since, but isn't that like so ironic? So we tend to notice if that wasn't my sensitivity, like, A, I don't even know what happened. Or if it did, I'd just be like, dude, like, you know, fuck you. Like it wouldn't have been a thing. And I think so many of us are looking for or notice even more the thing that we're already sensitive about. And it's like, and it's almost like permission for us to just pack it up and go back to where we were because it's that scary for us, you know? So when you're triggered, maybe you guys are even triggered listening to this podcast. You're like, what did Jill and Jay think? They know about, hate. like, maybe you're even triggered on that. And and my thing would be to start asking yourself. So after, of course, I'm furious, right? Like I wanted to defend myself. I wanted to run back to the dude and be like, you don't know. I just got this dog. I've never had a dog before. I don't know. I, you know. I'm trying doing my best, all this kind of stuff. And long story short, I think you know, it was a couple hours later. I was like, of course, right? Like, of course it's my sensitivity and of course. And I showed myself compassion and did all the things that I'm used to, like the tools I use to like help myself, but it wasn't about him, right? It was about if like, again, if I was in that confident place, if I was in flow, if I was, I wouldn't have cared now if someone did, I wouldn't care. Cause I'm just like, it's my dog, you know, fuck off. But it's, you know, so if you're triggered in that place, it's a reminder to ask, like, what about this is a sensitivity of yours that, like, maybe something else wouldn't be? Or who do you need to be so that this isn't a sensitivity anymore? And so as you start noticing that stuff, it's really interesting to
0: see.
1: You never heard that story?
0: No. I heard that story and I love that story. And obviously, Pip, I've actually fallen in love with, Jill has this, this dog I've I've just fallen madly in love with I grew up with dogs and actually she's my favorite dog. I keep thinking, oh, I'm going to get a dog. But I'm like, it's not going to be like Pip. So but no, I mean, that's such an important that's such an important point. And so for me, I guess because I want to I want to go into some of your strategies. And then we'll talk about some sure. of my strategies. But the final thing I'll say on that is it's really interesting, right? Because you're right. Like, the bottom line is there's some people who are not really interested in, like, you know, we like, you know, as humans. And I say that because I, I always say as humans and we humans because I consider myself in the same way. But we, we do like to indulge in self-righteousness at times. And we do like to be. You like to be right. We, we like to. We want to be right. You know, and it's it's a constant reminder. But for those who are listening to this, who are kind of just like, uh, if you can spot the hater in yourself, I, I found this really interesting. As I've been able to spot the hater in myself more quickly, um, I am far more um, tolerant of and uh, accepting of uh, haters. Out there, I almost
1: kind of like it, right? In I mean, the world, I have become.
0: I mean, it's funny, I have become. I kind of like it for, for this reason because it's a rare gift in my mind that someone serves up a reality so strongly that it causes you to look at what you're serving up, right? You know, it's like it's almost like here, I think I have this great, you know, filet mignon and baked potato and broccoli, and it's all great. And a, wine and then someone comes along and like throws up this even this Wagyu steak that's like, (laughs) you know, special sauce and all this kind of stuff and like goes, I have this, you don't have this. It does make you look back and go, wait, you know, let me take a look at what I'm carrying and allows you to either adjust it or uh, own it more fully. And so every single time it's a useful process for me to go through and complements don't seem to do have the ability to do that. and So to me I have learned and I know it's weird, but I just don't think compliments uh, you know let me allow me to look at myself the same way criticisms well, do. Well, it's a
1: negativity bias, right? For every like 10 it takes like 10 positive affirmation type things to have the same impact as maybe one negative comment or yeah, I think,
0: I think it's part of it's the negativity bias, for sure. We tend to be biased towards hearing the negative, but I also just think for me, now I don't know if this is for other people, for me, I, I feel like criticisms um, make me take a deeper look at myself. is all. But here, here's what I ask you, because I know we're you know kind of um, need to wrap it up, but what I want to ask you is, what's your sort of thought process on? Uh, you know, how do you deal with you know, in business? Online or just with people, how do you deal with you know critics and haters and just mm-hmm. just people who are 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 mean and mm-hmm. rude or just uh wanna you know think it's their job to knock you down a pet
1: you know i um it's still a practice i'll be honest with you like it's been a long, it's been many years, and I think it it becomes less and less so maybe at first it would ruin my week I'd get a comment and, I, and you know. Mm-hmm. And again, it would only be a triggering to me if it was something I was already sensitive to, you know, it may take me a week and I'd vent to all my friends. I'd take a screenshot of it, send it to my friends. I'd be like, can you believe this, this and that? Um... And I'd feel really self righteous, and I'd maybe even write a counter post, not in like a ranty way, but like just addressing it way. So maybe there's just some utility there. Then you know, get you get to like maybe it ruins a couple of days. Now it's like it'll maybe ruin an hour, or not even like a couple of minutes. Like it just like something. I'm just like it's not for me. Um, I think that you know, if someone comes on, I get a question a lot of like, how do you handle this? A lot of my girls have <laughs> are actually conditioned now that they're kind of proud when they get their first hater because it does mean that people are paying attention. And by girls, you mean the women? that Yeah, you're the women that I work with. Yeah, yeah. so. I, I work with a lot of uh, female fitness professionals who want to build their online platform, YouTube, social media, that kind of thing, email list. And it's a personal brand. Part of being a personal brand is you do have to be authentic. You do have to pull back the curtain. You do have to share what you know, but also who you are. And so, you know, that's always going to be polarizing to some capacity, like you mentioned. And so, when people get their first hater or troll, they go, okay, finally, I'm making a big enough impact that someone cares enough to give me a response back. And so they come to our group and they're like, I got my first hater. And it's kind of like we all celebrate because I do think it is kind of a milestone. Um, and then over time, you just kind of start to see the same things. And I think for me, the way that I handle it or the way they recommend ha- handling it is a couple things. Number one, I do like it. I enjoy it now because it helps me become more circumspect in my communication of something so I just get way more clear on uh, maybe some of my blind spots in my argument so if I'm trying to talk about for example something like moderation you know I and I get people who are like well moderate you can't you know moderation's so vague I'm like actually you're right you're actually right so it helps me Create a curriculum and a system where we can actually measure moderation from a place of like how can you quantify it? Right? What are the things you pay attention to? What are the benchmarks? It makes me a better educator and a better, uh, you know, communicator of the information when I get feedback. So I think it also is in your perspective. So a lot of times it doesn't have to be from a place of malice. I don't think a lot of people, I think in fact, probably 90% of people that you would maybe perceive to be a hater or a troll is they're actually just curious. And so my first iteration is I always give people the benefit of the doubt. I always say something to the effect of, you know, um, thank you so much for that question. I'm going to assume that it's coming from like a place where you want to contribute to the conversation. Can you clarify? I'm not exactly sure what you mean. So I always give people, unless it's like blatantly rude and you know it is, then it's delete and ban. Like no exceptions, delete and ban. But if it's someone who, because you're never going to change it. They're never going to have a conversation with that person. And I think that... you know, counter to what we might think, that's actually a fairly small number of people. Um, Most people just have a question or again, it hits their button, but they still trust you and they still want to interact with you. They're not going to unsubscribe. They're not going to unfollow, but they just want more information. And so when that comes for me, I like those discussions because I do think they're instructive and it helps me become, again, more circumspect in my argument um, in the way I'm communicating it. And then you know, for the most part, I do think that there's a point at which you can delete and ban, but I do think that it is, um, I'll be honest, I don't really change a lot of what I do. I think a lot of people are sensitive to confidence. That's maybe, and I want to know maybe what the thing is that people think about you. Maybe it's, there's some overlap there. I think one of the things that I get the most is that, Uh, my confidence or that way they own my ownership of things, especially we talk about our, you know, our marriage. And we just kind of recently talked about, you know, the affair and the divorce and all that kind of stuff. And people are getting triggered by it because it flies in the face of what they believe is a good relationship or is supposed to happen in society. So the idea that you and I can even be friends flies in the face of what a lot of people think it's supposed to look like. And so they're getting triggered that way. And it's just been interesting to watch. For me, it's just an exercise in watching the different perspectives, not taking them on, not trying to manage them, but just uh, being instructed by them. And I'm not going to change anything. So I think people get more triggered by my level of ownership and my level of confidence. And some people are inspired by it. And that's what that's what I cling to. But other people feel um, triggered by it and kind of like a who does she think she is kind of a thing.
0: Yeah, so so if I heard you right, in terms, some of your strategies are one, give people the benefit of the doubt right away, which is interesting, right? Because you think you think they're coming at you, and oftentimes they're not, and that's just or just or they
1: were, but you're like the way you approach it just dissipates
0: dissipates the the negative because I'm just not you're just one assuming to... and like let me make them part if they are trying to get attention which uh, we humans love you're giving them the benefit the out you're giving them the attention they want you're giving them the benefit the out you're making them part of the conversation so that's a you've always been great a- about you know what's so crazy and about I, that and a and lot of times
1: they'll end up apologizing yeah yeah which is odd you know like I don't need apology like more they're like yeah oh thanks so much for they just want to be seen yeah. They just want to be seen and heard
0: I think it's the same for personal uh conversations too when it happens from a personal perspective I think it's 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 such a great um, place to come from but then you know so that but then there's also you also have your clear boundary where there's the delete and ban online because I want to respect go, my
1: community too like that's the thing is I want to respect my community and I want them to I want it to be a safe place for them to share their stuff and when someone's coming from a place of uh, malice or just an ill intention or wanting to disrupt I'm protective of my tribe yeah
0: and in the personal realm not talking about business I look at it like yeah give people the benefit of the doubt that's one really nice tactic to have but then there's also Jill's tactic of her online business You know, that would be a tactic personally of boundaries like very heavy boundaries it's like if someone does x y or z they're just out of my circle it's just someone who I just don't uh you know sort of deal with and actually you know it's funny I'll come to the defense of I was I was I think um I'll see if I can say I, I like the way I said it last night we were having this discussion but I want to come to the defense since we're talking about the internet quote influencers you know just for the people listening to this who do get triggered by quote influencers, inf- influencers. so one of the things I'll I'll clue you guys in on and it'd be you know Jill you could jump in on this too is that you don't know, you know, It is really, really difficult, like, you know, coming. It's kind of like you mentioned Pip, right, having a dog. I don't have a dog, so I don't possibly know what that's like. I can speculate, though, and be like, oh, dog people are all X, Y, Z, because I'm projecting all my stuff about what dog people might be. In re- dog dog all kinds of people they're all individuals and their dogs are and their interactions with their dogs are all individuals I think you have to understand that you're, if you make uh, you know generalizations about influencers m- most of the influencers I know are people who are um, they do they're not doing it for attention um, beca- as you, or to steal your money or-, or, or to take advantage of you they're doing it out of a deep seated sort of calling the same way you might volunteer at a dog shelter or the same way you might volunteer at the soup kitchen or the same way you might go over and take care of your nephews and your nieces or go visit, which is, I love people who do that. These are people who feel like, um, that they are serving, you know, other people. It's not always self-serving. And by the way, the ones who are self-serving that usually comes to the surface, no amount of your hate is going to make them snap out of it. That's just something, you know, a teenager doesn't know until they know. And someone, you know, in that particular case doesn't know until they know. But I would say that it is, you sacrifice a lot, you know, um, when you take that on. Because you are not, you're kind of looked at with suspicion by your family. You're kind of looked at as sort of like your friends are just like, what are they doing? Who do they think they are? You get a lot of, you know, people looking in your direction and most of it in the beginning is not stuff that I think most people would have the stomach for. So I would just say, consider that, consider that. It's a big
1: responsibility. You know, I think there's a fear of success because there is a level of accountability that comes when people are reading your stuff, listening to your stuff. There's a level of responsibility and accountability. There's a further to fall from if you do struggle, if you do mess up. Mm -hmm. And so the fear of being successful is a real, it's the other side of fear of failure, really. But I think a lot of people hold themselves back with the storyline of, I don't want to get to, I don't want to have too many eyes on me. And maybe unknowingly, because there is a level of accountability. You and I are held to a a different standard.
0: Well, it's really interesting. It's like, you know, imagine imagine uh, having your, um, everything you do, you know, sort of, Reality checked and commented on. That's that's. There's some upsides to that, but there's a lot of downsides. So I, I I would just say that it's, it's funny. I oftentimes hear people. They're like, um, you know, like my brother, my sister. They're like, if I hear one more person without kids talk about how to parent, right. I'm gonna lo- lose my mind. You know, and it's the same kind of thing. You you can't possibly know what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. So stop projecting all of us, you know, let's stop being base level humans in that regard and, and you know, and projecting all that stuff. I, I will say finally, and then we'll kind of wrap up, but I will say for me, um, I think the biggest shift I made in this regard is just realizing that one, um, that it is almost always a reflection of the person who's giving the criticism. It's, it's kind of their filter, as you mentioned about You know, Pip, you're conscious of the fact that she's running away from you. And so that's what you'll hear. Otherwise, you wouldn't notice it. But I also go, yeah, but I also, there's also useful stuff here for me because people are smart. They do notice. And I can use some of this if I'm coming across ways that I don't want to come across. It's useful for me. And it's some of the most, so I just see it as compliments are, they feel good. Um, But criticisms they feel growy like they feel like growth and so to me i just switch my mindset around and just go that's great you know i mean that's that's fine and perhaps there's some truth there for me and i don't know probably 80 90 percent of the time you know i don't find anything useful there it's usually about them but sometimes it is about me and i will um you know, do that. And then I would just say very clear boundaries, you know, personal or whether you're online or personally with haters. You don't have to. Uh, the Stoics. I'm, I'm big on Stoic philosophy, which actually, believe it or not, Jill introduced me to Stoic philosophy, which is really interesting. But they have this idea that they say um, there's what you control. There's what you control partially and there's what you don't control at all. And they call the, the things you partially control and the things you control indifference, meaning that you really should not focus on them at all. You can potentially use information from them, but you can't put a lot of energy into them. So that's, that's one thing that I try to do is I go, that's an indifference. There's nothing I can do about any, the way someone thinks about me, but I certainly can use it uh, for growth. And that's sort of, I guess, my, my only take on, on that. I just know it's going to happen. And I can use it to get better, but I'm certainly not going to lose any sleep about it.
1: I love that perspective because it does take the like good, bad, right, or wrong out of the criticism what I see, especially with the women that I work with, and maybe if you're just getting started in a journey of authenticity or a journey of putting yourself out there, being more of a creator, moving from consumer to creator in some capacity, um you know a lot of times if someone says, you know I know like can I share it what?" People that call you like fat on it, on YouTube and stuff like that. Oh, like, yeah, you know, yeah. and I've gotten that too. Like you're not fit enough to be a fitness professional mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think if you just get clinical with it and deal and, and take it as like one single comment from one single person and don't make it this like big thing that means like, you're not supposed to be doing this and like pack it up. I think if you can get clinical and remove the emotion and not make one comment mean that, that's who you are in the world. So that's where you have to like toughen up your skin. And I do think that that comes from experience. And I do think that comes from getting a good amount of wins under your belt, getting people who are, you know, saying that you're changing their lives or that you are having an impact or just getting some sort of positive reinforcement in a way. And I think, and I know that we hate to like always like need affirmation, need approval, but there's a certain level, at least at the beginning that I think you do have to have some of that. Otherwise, it, you know, it's really hard to like access your blazing passion from inside every single second without getting a little bit of feedback of like, am I doing a good job? Is this moving the dial for people? Even if it's one person. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, looking out, I have a thank you folder on my computer that when i get emails from people who, you know, tell me thank you or i've made an impact for them, i put it there and if i'm having a lousy day, i pull that out. You know, and so and and don't believe your hype and all that kind of stuff, but it can make it can make a difference in those moments. So just don't take like one single comment if you're some, if someone who gets that, try to remove the personal aspect from it. It's hard to do, but try and get clinical. Yeah, yeah, i mean. I... And you like you said, you said it's you, you know, has some usefulness because you're not attaching jade's bad or jade's fat or not you know or i'm this way you're not attaching to it
0: well yeah and i mean and it's it's very useful i think those times where i was uh called out in certain there's been times where i've been called out in some ways that if i'm honest i was like oh yeah i look back and i'll be like i made a useful adjustment from that and and i would not i i would be uh, i'm grateful for it. So to me, I just use it when I can. I use when I, I, I mean, I, I, I will say this, and then I'll. This is my final comments, and I'll let you have your final comments. I will say this for me personally, and um, again, this is this is actually again this sort of bias that I have. So I'll fully state that it's a bias because it's, it's my truth and I'll just serve it up for other people from, I I believe we're here to learn, teach, and love slash share. That's what I believe we're here for. So for me, when I look at it through that lens, I go, I'm not here to get caught up on what people think about me. I simply go, can I learn, teach, or love from this, from this perspective? And as a human I fail in that a lot, and I certainly get triggered and insecure and all that kind of stuff. But that's what helps me the most is just go, honestly, I'm not here for this person. I'm not necessarily for them, but they might be giving something for me. And I also don't have to put up with anything that I feel like is taking me out of my power. And if it crosses my boundaries, I won't. How about you?
1: No, I love that. I think I agree. I think that's it. I mean, to me, the best, this is the best kind of personal development that you can do is getting some of this feedback. So if you are struggling to press publish on something or to put yourself out there to have that tough conversation, just know that like the. The real growth comes from having the full experience. And to me, you can sit around and read about the stuff. You can listen to this podcast. You can do theory on stuff. You can try and weigh the benefits and the perils. But until you start getting out there and getting some experience, you know, I think that's the best personal development work you can do. I could not have had this conversation five years ago. I wouldn't have been in a a mind space to do it.
0: Yeah, I love it. Love you, Jilly. Love you. All right, guys. Thanks so much. And we'll see you at the next podcast. Popping in real quick just to say thank you so much for your interest and support of the jadetita.com podcast I am bringing back by popular demand the live Q&A calls I used to do back in the day where you can get on live with me ask your question directly and have me answer it in full questions about thyroid and adrenal health, autoimmune disease, any health condition, belly fat muscle building, performance enhancement you name it we are going to cover it on the Q&A podcast. If you'd like to be on these live Q&A calls with me and speak to me directly. All you need to do is become a patron of the podcast. You can go to www.patreon.com backslash tita. That's www.patreon.com slash tita. Become a patron of the podcast. I would greatly appreciate your support, and you'll be able to access me live to answer all your questions in depth. Thanks again for your support. See you on the podcast.